If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. The podcast of CBS This Morning will begin after this short break. Today's CBS This Morning podcast is sponsored by A2 Milk with the natural A2 protein. Love milk again. It's Thursday, November 7th, 2019. I'm Gail King. I'm Anthony Mason. And I'm Tony DeCoppo. Welcome to the podcast of CBS This Morning. We have new information about the White House strategy to defend President Trump from the House impeachment inquiry. According to the Washington Post, the president wanted his attorney general, William Barr, to make a public statement saying that Mr. Trump's controversial phone call with Ukraine's president had broken no laws. Barr reportedly told the president no, but last night the president called the whole story totally untrue, quote. But Ben Tracy is at the White House. Ben, so a lot of moving parts here. How are the president's defenders changing their approach? Well, good morning. So the White House is doing two things, one old and one new. They are sticking with the old line that this is all just an illegitimate sham. But what's new is that they're bringing in reinforcements to help fight the PR battle. You know, the whistleblower, the one that came out with this, oh, the Trump said this and Trump said that. At a rally in Louisiana Wednesday night, President Trump railed against the anonymous whistleblower and Democrats leading the impeachment inquiry. It's an illegal act as far as I'm concerned. The president continues to double down on his defense. There was no quid pro quo. I had a perfect phone call, a totally perfect phone call. But at least five witnesses have now testified there was. A transcript released Wednesday shows acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor, testified that his clear understanding was that the security assistance money would not come until the president of Ukraine committed to pursue an investigation into President Trump's campaign rival, Joe Biden. The president has insisted for weeks that he can handle defending himself by himself. I don't have teams. Everyone's talking about teams. I'm the team. Well, now the president is apparently getting one. CBS News has learned the administration is now beefing up its communications team, bringing in former Treasury Department spokesperson Tony Saig and former Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi to help the White House fight back. This is a political vendetta. Republican lawmakers who have been publicly defending the president have been warning the White House that it's losing the PR battle. I think they're working on uh, getting a, a messaging uh, team together. The White House is now sending a representative to a daily meeting on Capitol Hill, where Republicans are coordinating their message and strategy on impeachment. Now, during the special counsel's Russia investigation, the president relied on a group of outside attorneys to represent him, including Rudy Giuliani. But CBS News has now learned that the White House lawyers will be defending the president when it comes to impeachment. Meanwhile, former National Security Advisor John Bolton is scheduled to testify on Capitol Hill today, but he is not expected to show up. 
Anthony. All right, Ben, thank you. Ambassador Bill Taylor will be the first witness to testify when the House Intelligence Committee starts holding public hearings on impeachment next week. Nancy Cordes is on Capitol Hill. Nancy, what's the point of these witnesses testifying in public if their closed-door testimony has already been made available? Well, Anthony, one Democrat put it to me like this. Ultimately, the jury here is the American public. They're the ones who need to be convinced. The polls show that currently the public is split 50-50 on impeachment and removal. So Democrats have gathered all the evidence. Now they need to lay it out for the jury in the most compelling way. And they're starting with the people they believe are their most compelling witnesses, nonpartisan, decades of experience, uh, all of them very well spoken, witnesses to or victims of this back channel diplomacy that they say ran counter to Americans, America's interest and was only in the president's interest. Nancy, what comes after these public hearings and do we know how long they're going to last? Uh, well, the last at least a couple of weeks, then the House Intelligence Committee would transfer all of the evidence it's gathered to the House Judiciary Committee, which would draw up and debate actual articles of impeachment, maybe hold its own hearings. And then if a vote is successful in judiciary, it all goes to the full House of Representatives for a straight majority vote on those articles of impeachment. If it passes there, it would then go to a Senate for a trial and then a two-thirds vote on removing the president from office. Nancy Cordes. Thank you, Nancy. Former Attorney General Jeff Sessions is expected to announce later today that he wants to return to the Senate seat that he gave up to join the Trump administration. Sessions plans to run in the Alabama Republican primary next year, and if he wins, he will take on Democratic Senator Doug Jones. One year ago today, President Trump pushed out Sessions, ending a long-running dispute over the Attorney General's decision to withdraw from the Russia investigation. An Arctic blast is set to hit the central part of the U.S. starting today. Heavy snow fell across part of Michigan yesterday. That same system is now headed east, and bitter cold temperatures are expected from Canada to the deep south. CBS News climate and weather contributor Jeff Berardelli is tracking the cold. Jeff, good morning. How low will the temperatures get? Below zero in terms of wind chills. I mean, even for a cold air outbreak in the middle of January, this would be impressive. And so we're having it in November, and it's coming early. And there are two shots of it, by the way. The first one's moving through the northeast right now, a couple of inches of snow upstate New York. And then tomorrow, we're going to have record cold high temperatures. We're going to stay in the 30s across most of the east and even upper 20s and low 30s across the Great Lakes. This is not even uh, close to how strong the next cold snap is going to be after that. Big dome of high pressure. This is a record-breaking high pressure moving in from Canada. 150 cold records possible from the weekend to midweek. This is going to go all the way down to the Gulf Coast with temperatures near freezing there. And there could actually be some snow in places like D.C., Richmond, New York, and Boston as we head to next Tuesday. And then the floodgates open to really cold air. Look at these wind chills Monday, Tuesday into Wednesday. Take everything out of your closet winter-wise. And bring it out. You're going to need it in the next several days. Wow. Okay. Well, those minus signs were a little imposing. Thanks, <laughs> Jeff. Family members of the nine Americans killed in an ambush in Mexico are disputing local authorities' theory on what happened. Victims' relatives were escorted to the place where their loved ones died. Video shows an SUV riddled with bullet holes and filled with toys. Manuel Bojorquez is in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. Manuel, what's next for the family? 
Well, good morning. Funerals will be held today for Donna Langford and her two children, as well as Ronita Miller and her four children, including eight-month-old twins. And while this family grieves, they are also pressing for answers about what prompted this attack. Look at the bolt holes in Donna's vehicle. Mexican government officials now believe the killers who opened fire on the families belong to La Linea, part of the Juarez drug cartel. They shot down on it from the top. Look at that. They say the attackers entered the territory of the rival Sinaloa cartel Sunday near La Mora, where the extended LeBaron family lived, all members of a breakaway group once associated with the Mormon church. Local police have been on high alert ever since the two cartels engaged in a gun battle early Monday morning. Mexican authorities believe the gunmen opened fire on the family's three SUVs hours later, first mistaking them for cartel members. But family members, including Max LeBaron, say the group was targeted. The question is then why target this family? Um, these organizations usually, I mean, there's no reason, there's no logical reason behind it other than the fact that they're just terrorist organizations. They point out that children traveling with 29-year-old Christina Langford Johnson say she raised her arms to show she was not a threat. She put her baby as, as, as far down as she could in the vehicle. She got out of the vehicle. She, she asked him to, right. to, she tried to identify that there was women and children there and she got gunned down. Mexican officials say the first SUV was hit by bullets and exploded around 9 a.m. Monday. Two hours later, the other two Suburbans were ambushed about 11 miles down the road. After that shooting, a relative says 13-year-old Devin Langford hid his siblings in bushes and went for help. About six hours later, he arrived in La Mora, 14 miles away, and alerted family members. His uncles were forced to wait for Army reinforcements to arrive before they could set out to find the children. This is video of the moment Christina Langford Johnson's baby, seven-month-old Faith, was found alive in the bullet-riddled SUV, 11 hours after the shooting. In total, eight children were rescued. Three are still recovering in an Arizona hospital. The Mexican president says he is open to the U.S. working with local authorities in this investigation. Officials here in Mexico say more than 200 bullet casings were found at the crime scene. They say those were manufactured by a U.S.-based gunmaker and are commonly used in military-type assault rifles. Gail? Manny, the more details you hear, the more gut-wrenching it is. Thank you very much for bringing us the latest on that terrible story. For the first time, federal authorities are accusing Saudi Arabia of a spying in the U.S. The case involves two former Twitter employees who allegedly gained access to thousands of accounts. Jeff Begay's reports on what's behind all these allegations. In custody this morning, Ahmad Abuamo. Federal law enforcement sources confirm that he was arrested in Seattle. Ali Al-Zabara, who is a Saudi citizen, is said to have fled the U.S., Investigators believe the two were working as assets of the Saudi government, and Al-Zabara spied on upwards of 6,000 Twitter accounts, some of whom were known Saudi critics. The men were paid in cash and jewelry. The criminal complaint says Abu Amu lied to the FBI about his payments, but received at least $300,000 for his work and tried to sell a watch a Saudi official gave him for at least $20,000. Abu Amu and Al-Zabara are accused of working with a Saudi official connected to the family of the country's leader, Mohammed bin Salman. 
The Washington Post reports one of the accounts they allegedly targeted belonged to a dissident who later became close to Jamal Khashoggi, the Saudi critic and Washington Post columnist who was murdered last year. U.S. intelligence believes Ben Salman ordered the killing, which he denies. Twitter cooperated with the FBI in this investigation, which we're told has not been reported this morning in Saudi media. In recent years, there has been a debate about the amount of user data tech companies have and their ability to protect it. This case, again, puts the spotlight on that issue and how governments try to exploit that information. Tony. It makes you wonder if there are others out there, Jeff. Thank you very much. This morning, Turkey's president is accusing the U.S. of not living up to its commitment to move Kurdish forces out of northern Syria, as President Trump had promised. U.S. troops are still in that region, where the recent arrival of Syrian troops backed by Russia is making the area more dangerous. Charlie Daggett has been covering this story extensively from the region. He's at a U.S. military unit near the Turkey-Syria border. For most of this morning, we've been following around this U.S. military convoy as they've been visiting oil facilities and oil fields in this region in northern Syria. They were ordered to protect these oil fields by President Trump so they don't fall into the hands of ISIS. And their mission has changed over the past couple of weeks. It was only a few weeks ago that President Trump ordered U.S. troops to withdraw from this region. And that essentially gave the green light for Turkey to invade and fight Syrian Kurdish forces here. Hundreds of thousands of people had to evacuate that area. Hundreds of people have been killed. And there's a lot of criticism here now. The President Trump's order for these troops to now secure oil fields suggests that the U.S. administration cares more about protecting oil fields than they do about protecting civilians. Now, as far as the mission here is concerned, U.S. military officials say their primary operation has not changed, and that is the fight against ISIS. This part, securing the oil fields, is simply part of that mission. Charlie Daggett, a reporting from northern Syria. An arrest has been made in connection with a New Hampshire couple found dead in Texas. Adam Curtis Williams was located in Mexico and taken to Houston last night. He was arrested for felony theft, but not for the murder of the couple, James and Michelle Butler. Meg Oliver is just back from Texas and has been the only network reporter covering this case. Meg, why do you think, uh, why do officials think Williams may be involved? Good morning. Well, Anthony, the only key piece of evidence linking him to the murder of James and Michelle Butler was a photo of Williams and a woman taken at the U.S.-Mexico border. That photo showed the 33-year-old Williams behind the wheel of the murdered couple's truck. The arrest warrant accuses him of felony auto theft. Mexican authorities also detained the woman seen sitting next to him, identified as Amanda Novare. They say she was in the country illegally. The butler's remains were found October 27th in shallow graves on Padre Island, south of Houston. Last year, they went on a dream road trip, living out of their RV. A member of the butler's family tells CBS News the relieved Williams has been caught. He was arrested last night in Houston, then driven back to Claiborne County Jail, where he remains this morning. A news conference is scheduled for later this morning, and we are expecting to hear more information. Of course, we're going to be monitoring yeah, it. Yeah, right now the details are just for felony theft, but it sure doesn't look good to be no. driving the, the, the vehicle of a couple that's been murdered. Exactly. No, it does not, at not all. look good. And buried, we should say. There's yeah. questions about the safety of doing that. I mean, a lot of people rent RVs, make that trip. It is a dream trip for many. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Meg, thank you very much.
Thank you for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get your morning news in under 20 minutes and daily podcast originals. You can watch the CBS This Morning broadcast Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on your local CBS station or live on the CBS All Access app. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Do you ever feel like there's nothing new in the news? You know there are urgent things happening in the world around you, but all you hear is noise. That's why we made What Next? Our goal is to tell you the stories you haven't heard before, or maybe a different side to the story you thought you already knew all about. I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next? And I love my job because it helps me cut through the noise of the news. And then I get to bring it to you. Together, we can figure out what next.